my hope today is to allow you an inside look, a behind the curtains look of what happens in those rooms. Hey everyone, Matt Smith here, Matt Smith Real Estate Group, all or nothing in real estate. I was going through some old content and found some great trainings that I'd done in the past um, that I wanted to share with you. So stay tuned. There's going to be some great content and it will reference some other things because we did do it in the past, but it's such great content. I wanted to share it with you all to make sure you had it. So stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. So my name is Matt Smith. I am the team leader, um, president and CEO of Matt Smith Real Estate Group. We run um, the number one team in Missouri, um, number two in the state of Missouri, and uh, number 57 in the nation, according to Real Trends. Got an amazing team with amazing agents, accomplished a lot of success. Um, and because of all of those things um, and the amazing people in my life, I've been privileged to be in a part of a lot of rooms, a lot of rooms with a lot of brilliant people, a lot of people doing billions in sales, doing thousands and thousands of transactions a year. Um, one of my personal friends, coach and mentor, John Cheplak, um, recently invited me and several other of his elite coaching clients to a private mastermind at his home. And it was a room full of the who's who of real estate. Um, it is, there was billions, there was 30-ish people there. Um, and there was billions of dollars of sales volume in the last 12 months, even in this market shift, just among those 30 people, billions. Um, and so a lot, a lot of brilliant minds in the room. And um, I'm also privileged to be a coach for John Cheplak through Cheplak Live. Um, it's one of the passion projects that I found that I love giving back to people. And it's kind of led me into doing things like this to kind of share more and to give back more and just share insights from some of these rooms that have given so much to me. Like without these rooms, without these mentors, without learning the secrets from these people that I'm fortunate to call friends now, colleagues, um, I would not be where I'm at today. And so my hope today is to allow you an inside look, a behind the curtains look of what happens in those rooms. Um, as you guys are joining, um, if you guys don't mind, uh, put in the chat, where, what market are you in? Where are you guys from? Um, I want this to be interactive. If you don't mind putting in the chat, um, what, what market are you in? What state are you in? What market are you in? Um, we're going to do some interactive stuff that I learned at this mastermind, some exercises that we did. And so I need this to be interactive to, so you guys can get the most out of it. Um, so go ahead and share there um, what market you guys are in, please. All right, we got more people coming in. Love it, love it, love it. Cool. Santa Cruz, California, Jonesboro, Naples. All right, all over the world. See a couple, a couple faces I recognize um, here in the chat. Virginia. Oh, was that Cheplax the day before? I'm guessing that's for the reside stuff. Awesome. Um, very cool. Orlando and Chicago. Cool. People from all over. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, so guys, I'm going to give you behind the scenes. Look, my takeaways, these are my personal takeaways. Um, also things that I'm actually going to implement. I believe that mindset is everything, but I also want to go tactical and give you things that you guys can use no matter what stage you are in business, whether you're one of the team leaders that was in that room or you're an agent that just started yesterday, I'm going to give you something you can walk away with. You can apply to level up in your life and your business. So, um, got a slideshow here. Let me share my screen. What I'm going to break down is these are just bullet points. So the slides are for visual. Um, just so if you guys want to take 
screenshots, whatever, um, just different things that would that would be uh, maybe helpful for you guys to have. So, again, let's go back to this room. So I was in John Cheplak's personal house um, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Louisiana, with a bunch of elite people. When I say elite, like the top of the top teams, broker owners, agents throughout the throughout North America. Um, a lot of a lot of big big names were in the room. What this was was a private mastermind, and so it was by invite only. They're all personal coaching clients of John Cheplak. And it was just a, he does a quarterly mastermind for us. And it was just an amazing, amazing event and atmosphere. The community that he's built is pretty amazing. Everyone's willing to contribute and share. And so I'm going to break down some of the things that we went over. So if I were to ask who here wants to know the common theme of those that were in the room that are up year over year. So as an example, this year versus last year, year over year, there's not many teams, not many ages, not many broker owners that are up year over year. There's a, not a lot, but there's a lot in this room. And I observed and I noticed two things that they all had in common. I'm going to share those, share those with you today. Now, keep in mind all the changes with interest rates, with the market, with everything that has transpired throughout, the, throughout North America. There's just a lot of changes. And these are the common themes of those that are up year over year, which is just amazing to be able to grow in this atmosphere. And I've already taken action on these things and I recommend you do too. And they're not on my slideshow. Good thing I remember them. <laughs> so um, sorry about that. But they, so it boils down to two things, guys. Number one, they have enforced their standards like never before enforced their standards like never before. What do I mean by that? What is your proven process and playbook that your agents are playing by, that you are playing by, the rules you know you need to follow? You need to enforce that at a level that is above and beyond you have ever done before. That's what the common, that's the common thing for all of these people that are winning at a very high level. Number two, they have increased and executed on accountability masterfully. So you have to be accountable to those standards. So you increase or enforce, some did both, their standards, number of dials, number of appointments, how many role plays you attend, mastering your craft, because the skills that you have in this marketplace, the action you take is going to determine the business. Like one of the things and I've taken, I took my agents through this as well, is let's think about this for a minute. Let's look at your market. Take your market year over year. Is your market up or is it down? Most markets are down 20, 30, 40% year over year, right? That's a common theme that I'm seeing. So that's, that's normal. But why do we expect we do the same results we did last year or the same activities? We have the same skills, the same processes, the same standards, the same accountability. We're going to get the same results. That's not how it works. Like that's unrealistic expectations. Nobody anywhere in the world would think I'm going to do the same exact act. There's 30% less inventory moving. So if I do the same activities, I'm going to get the same result. It's just unrealistic, right? So you have to enforce your standards, raise your standards, make sure your activity, your skills, your sales process have been enhanced and enforced. And then you have to have the extreme accountability around it. That's the common theme of those that are up year over year or even year over year. 
By the way, let me tell you this. If you are right now, you are close to even year over year, you are among the elite. You are doing fantastic. You should give yourself a pat on the back because there's not a lot of people doing that right now in this marketplace. I'm going to give you a little timeline to let you know, like, there's a crystal ball in these rooms. It's crazy. With the brilliance in the rooms, with the leader John Sheplak is in the industry, it's like he knows what's coming in the business. So I'm going to give you guys some insight. I'm going to prove the authority of what he saw coming before it came. September of 21, I sat in Lake Tahoe. I was fortunate enough to speak on his stage. And he said there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is a train and it's coming right at us in this industry. There's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's a train coming right at us. September 21, things were still great. None of these changes had occurred. He said, get ready. It's coming. Was he right? He was right. Here's what he said. If you want to be successful and if you want to survive this train, you need to go back right now and pretend your market is down 25%. If your market drops 25% tomorrow, go back and run this exercise. What expenses would you cut? What actions would you need to take? What skills would you need to develop? What systems would you need to put in place? Go back and pretend. Act as if today for a couple of reasons. Number one, as a business owner myself, when it was pandemic, it was crazy. When times are good, we loosen the belt straps a little bit. We overspend here. We don't calculate as close as we should here. Is it right? Nope. But it is what it is. And so there's extra expenses just because it was so dang good for so long, right? So there's extra expenses that we just naturally occur. When you're just counting your profit, it's hard to say, oh, let me cut, let me cut this, this $500 software. Let me cut this thing, right? Like we don't just do that exercise as religiously as we should. And so what if we acted as if the business dropped 25%? I've done this exercise twice and I'm in the process of doing it again. Am I saying I cut everything 25%? Nope. But I'm looking at it, my business from a where am I wasting money? Where am I wasting experience? And guess what? This was this prediction. It came through. Put in the chat if you experienced a market drop of 25% or more since then. Put in the chat. Say 25%. If, you, if you've experienced that, put in the chat. 25%. If it's been 25% or more, and John Cheplak was right, he saw it coming before anyone else did, put in the chat. Second thing, the next year, same event. Cheplak Live, Lake Tahoe. September 22nd, or September of 2022, John Cheplak predicted. No one's market's down 25%. One person, you guys lie more. There we go. I promise you guys, the more you interact, the more you'll get out of this. I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm going to speak to you directly. So please participate. I want to help you get the most value you can out of this. September 2022, John Cheplak predicted in order to remain ahead and grow through this market shift. There we go. We got some people participating now. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. To participate through this market shift as a team of brokerage over the next 12 to 18 months, in order to win and to grow, your roster is going to have to look 75% different than it does today. 75% different in your agent roster. You should have saw the room. Everyone's like, what? Like John Cheplak's known for recruiting, but that's extreme. But let me let you in on something. I'll show you some facts here in a minute. Some of these top teams and what they're doing. Does that mean that agents, you need to go fire agents and you need to do this? No, that's not what that means. You don't need to ride a body shop, none of that. But let's think what is the hardest thing to do for a human being is to change. 
is to adapt. And if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're not going to keep getting what you got in the past, right? Because the market is just is changing. Interest rates are changing. Supply is changing. Everything is changing around us. And while everything is changing around us, we have to change within us. And not a lot of people are willing to do that change. And if they're not willing to do that, that change, they're going to have to go get a real job. They're going to have to get out of the business. And so I think we've experienced that from a lot of big teams that we've saw. As an example, there's stats that I'll give um, in a minute, but there's a team that I know of, um, a good friend of mine. He's recruited 99 agents so far this year to his organization. 99. He's let go of 90. Not because he's a jerk. He doesn't want the agents, but they're not willing to do the activities and change their mindset to change to the things that this marketplace needs in order for them to be successful to accomplish their goals their hopes, their dreams, and their desires. While everything's changing around us, we have to be willing to change within us. All right. Last week. So I think we all agree. We see these successful teams that he is, he, he sees things before we do, right? He's ahead of the curve as an industry leader. So last week at his home, he said, if you're even year over year right now, you are killing it. That means that you are absolutely killing it. So if that is you right now, you're somewhere close to even give yourself a round of applause, a pat on the back, like great work. I am someone that needed to hear that. We are very close to, we are barely up year over year and I'm growth minded. If I'm not growing by hundred percent year over year, I'm like, all right, what can I do better? Right. It's just not realistic in this marketplace. If you're even year over year right now, you are among the elite. So give yourself a little grace. Doesn't mean it can't be better. Doesn't mean there aren't things you can work on. We'll go over those in a minute. But also realize this market is tough. These changes are tough. Give your agents a little grace too. It's hard to change, right? Well, John also made a prediction. Just like in September of 21, September of 22, I believe he sees what's coming in the future. And he said he sees in November and December, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a bloodbath. What does that mean? That means it's going to be tough for us real estate agents. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Right now, in some markets, it's pretty okay. It's not bad, right? Our market's one of them. I mean, we're down 30% year over year, but our team's doing great. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And so I'm preparing my team for what activities do we need to do now for when it does get this way so that we're ahead of the curve. Let's be honest. What if we, let's say as an example, 25% exercise, you cut your budget 25%, you got rid of 25% waste, but the market didn't drop 25%. No harm, no foul, right? You still did the thing you needed to do, even though the thing you thought was going to happen didn't happen. Make sense? Same thing here. This is the concept I'm taking, what I recommend you take. Let's pretend that there is no inventory. So pretend buyers are just completely disappeared. There's no houses they can find. Interest rates stay where they're at. And it's, it just gets uglier and uglier and uglier. What are you going to do in your business when that happens? Are you, are you saving up for it right now? Are you going to be prepared for when that happens? Or are you going to let November, December, January, February, that tough last, last two months of Q, uh, the quarter Q4 and the first two months of Q1, which is tough in, in my market. It's probably tough for a lot of a lot of people. If the market conditions make those months even tougher, are you prepared to survive? Because you need to get prepared now. Winter's coming, right? Get ready for it. Worst case, you don't have to get ready for it. 
Now you can even dominate even more if it doesn't happen, right? So prepare for it. I believe it's coming. He also talked about interest rates. He's got an in with some lenders. I'm not going to mention any names, but he's had some conversations with some bankers and just shared some information on interest rates. I'd like for you guys to put in the chat. If you had to predict what this pe- these people that were very, very in tune with the real estate market, in tune with the interest rate market, they said within the next 12 months, I don't see rates going below X. What do you think that percentage is? They're saying no less than X. They're trying to set proper expectations. No less than nine. 9%, Derek says. What else you guys got? No less than what percentage are the experts predicting? And again, I'm just trying to set you guys up for success, what to expect. Six, five, eight. See, I got some people when I ask that question, they think, well, it's going to get that back down to 3%. It's going to be 2% maybe, right? What the experts are saying is they don't predict it's going to get less than 6%. We got a lot of people with the right answers. Great job. So what I mean by that is, what does that mean? If they're not going to be less than 6%, well, that means when people interest rates are great, they're going to be 6%. Are you preparing your clients for that right now? Because what if your client has that expectation of 3%, of 2.5%? So when these clients give you objections of, well, I'm waiting for interest rates to drop. What if we dug deeper and asked them, what are they waiting them to, for them to drop to? And when do they think that's going to happen? And then we position ourselves in a place of authority to educate them based upon what experts are saying, based on a Keeping Current Matters article. We provide education and information to our clients and help them build a plan through the process versus waiting on them to tell us when they're ready because they're not the expert. You are. You are a real estate professional and we have to provide our clients with that value. That's what's needed in this marketplace. All right, let's get into the good stuff. Um, and this was a mastermind format, right? So this is not, this is just me taking my notes and putting them on a slideshow. So um, this is raw, as raw as it's going to get for a presentation for me. But I wanted to put something so you guys had a visual. So conversations with sellers. Is anyone struggling with sellers right now? Getting listings? Raise your hand. Let me see. Say me in the chat. You're struggling getting sellers. Inventory low, inventory a problem. I'm hearing this from my coaching clients. I'm hearing this from a lot of people. Getting listings is tough right now in this marketplace. Well, we role-played this. All of these elite people role-played this. They gave us their secrets. And here's one thing that was in common. The people that are dominating listings right now, they have a couple things in common. Number one, they're very, very crystal clear on their value. Here's an exercise that I'm doing with my team. I'm doing it with my coaching clients. Let me let you in on a secret. If I were to ask you right now, I passed you in the hall and I said, why should I list my home with you? How quickly do you got that elevator pitch down? How quickly do you have and how much, how refined are you on that value you provide to the marketplace? You better have more than just, well, I'm honest. Well, I, I take professional photos. You know, I write really good listing descriptions. What is your value? What do you bring? You have to nail your value proposition and it has to be, here's what I learned about marketing, risk reversal. If, it, if your marketing message, your unique value proposition, your unique selling proposition doesn't scare you, the consumer doesn't even know it exists. It gets lost in the sauce. There's too many messages out there. 
It needs to be on the edge, on the verge. And it needs to be something that makes you uncomfortable because now you know the clients are going to see it. Protect yourself, but also realize that you have to market differently in today's marketplace. Um, one of the uh, um, poor pricing expectations by sellers. Let me help you exactly with that, Hal. Funny enough, a lot of people brought that up at the mastermind. Here's what is working. Get your seller on the buyer side of the fence. What do I mean by that? So if the seller says they want to sell for $500,000, you know by basic math roughly what their payment was or even ask them and say their payment. I don't even know the numbers, right? Um, so this probably doesn't add up, but say their payment's $2,500 a month. Well, do the math on today's interest rates with what they want to sell it for, what it's worth. So that's, they bought for $500,000 five years ago. It's worth $650,000 today. Interest rates are at 7% versus 3%. There's a lot of difference there, right? So that payment would be, I don't know, $3,800 as an example. My math's wrong, whatever. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here, right? But as an example, do that actual math for them on that property and say, you know, Mr. Mrs. Seller, I'm just curious. When you sell this home, you're going to buy another one, right? Yeah, you are. Okay. Let me just ask you, you realize you need to find a buyer for this home too, correct? Well, yeah. So I know that you're looking at this through the lens of a seller, and I absolutely want to make sure that you know I have your best interest at heart. But I think sometimes in this marketplace, we forget to realize that we have to have a buyer too. So what if we put a buyer's lens on? What if we put our buyer glasses on? Let's look through this as the lens of a buyer. I ran some quick numbers for you. I just have a question for you. If you were going to buy your home again, would you pay $3,800 for it? Per month, would your payment be 3800 And they're like, no, not a chance in the world. So why would someone else? I understand we want to get you the most money, but this is the reality of the situation because they haven't done the math, guys. We have to break it down for them and give them the education. So we give them a payment comparison, give them a conversation around it, put them in the buyer's shoes. Would you pay X amount a month for this same exact home? Would you have bought your home if that was your payment? Nope. I'm afraid we may run away buyers if that's where we go. Maybe we can do this pricing strategy. Maybe we can have this concession built in to make your home more appealing to buyers. After all, would you, would you like a bidding war on your home? Not making any promises, but I want to make your home as, as attractive as possible. And so it just helps them price it realistically, right? Get them to understand from the buyer's eyes versus them just looking through as a seller. Another theme that was mentioned was team leaders, broker owners struggling with agents not being productive. Um, this was a long, long discussion. I have a lot to go on this topic, some personal thoughts, but I'll stick it to the mastermind. Agents aren't productive for a couple of reasons. Poor expectations, poor leadership, poor work ethic, right? Like that's really it. So number one, what can I control as a leader? Did I set the expectations with the agents properly? Clarity is kindness. Too many team leaders, too many broker owners, when they're recruiting, they're onboarding, they do this features and benefits dump. You need to be real with your people. I had this conversation with a coaching client earlier. When you're bringing someone on, when you're bringing someone to your organization, I try to talk them out of joining after they said they want to join. And I give them a speech on it's going to be harder on our team versus easier. You know, Mr. And Mrs. Agent, a lot of people think 
that joining a team like ours is going to be easier. And unfortunately, that's not the case. You could go join XYZ Realty and be an individual agent. You have no accountability. You have no systems. You have no CRM. You have no leads. You have no marketing, no TC support. Um, go on and on and on. And that would be way easier for you. But did you join this business for easy or for success? Oh, for success, I thought so. So this joining this team is not going to be easier because all those things you're not going to get at this company, you are absolutely going to get the best of those here. You're going to get the absolute best of those. But with those things that set you up for success come expectations and responsibility. So it's going to be harder than joining over here. Does that make sense? Before I scare you too much, it's going to be hard work. Yes, it's not going to be easy, but we are going to help work through this with you. And it's going to be hard work so that you have that success that you told me you wanted for your life. Super important. You set them up. Proper expectations. Um, I mentioned this earlier. Top team. Um, I've got a fly around my office. i got a top team um, that I know a good friend of mine that's hired 99 agents this year. He's let go of 90. Guess what his productivity has done, though? Through the roof. Absolutely through the roof. Another top team. Had a group cliff conversation with 45 of their 90 agents. Half of their staff had a cliff conversation or of their agents got a cliff conversation. For those of you that maybe haven't heard of a cliff conversation before, it is the last straw where they decide to jump off the cliff or they turn back around and they dive into the organization with commitments, with standards, with expectations. It is a, are you going to sink or swim moment? Both of these teams are up year over year. They're enforcing standards. They're holding their agents accountable. They're not afraid of being held hostage by their agents. At the end of the day, what happens is we as leaders want what's best for our agents. And if you're an agent listening, let me give you an insight to it from a team leader, from a coach. Your team leader is not trying to be mean, but your team leader can show you too much love and they can love you out of the business to where you got to go get a real job. But what they are showing you is tough love because they want what's best for you. And they realize that if they help you enhance your standards and they hold you accountable to those standards, you can live a life beyond your wildest dreams. But it's gonna take a little effort, a little work, a little discipline, a little consistency, a little bit of uncomfortableness so that you can live that life. But you have to realize these team leaders, these teams that are winning a high level, they're not held hostage by their agents. They're having the tough conversations and they are enforcing those standards. And also to show you, it's tough out there for everyone. If you're struggling right now, you're not alone. Here we go. Top teams that are winning are, here's my slide from earlier. <laughs> Whoops. Enforcing standards and they're not backing down, but actually ramping them up. Quick story on that. Chep told this, um, John Cheplak told this story. He had one of his coaching clients say, that's it, John. I'm going all in. I'm doubling our standards. We're doing it tomorrow. And those of you who know John Cheplak, he's pretty intense, but he's very, very, masterful in his coaching techniques he's like interesting so what you're telling me is you're going to double those standards let me ask you a question before you do that how many people are actually hitting the standards you already have and it was an aha moment for this person so before you go in and double down and raise your standards how about you enforce the standards you have first and then if they need to be ramped up absolutely ramp them up through extreme accountability but you have to make sure you have buy-in from your team, right? All right. Any questions, by the way, guys, feel free to ask as I'm going through this. 
as an example. So what are the, Matt, you said standards. What are some examples of standards? Here's some examples that we have, right? We have expectations. You be present, positive, and prepared for all team meetings, trainings, huddles, etc. Role plays. You be present. You be positive. You be prepared. That's a standard. Our team standard, some people say it's too high, but I want to work with winners. I want winners in my organization. And because of that, we have amazing people. Our standard is you sell 20 homes a year. You have to maintain the standard, sell 20 homes a year to be on this organization. Is it harsh? I don't think so. I want people that want to be the best versions of themselves. So we've broken that down. We got a playbook on how to get to 20. Exactly what you need to do day in and day out. Because the path is in the math. If you're an agent listening, if you're a team leader, that is important. Break down the math that it's going to take to walk that path that you want. Exactly how many phone calls you're going to make. Exactly how many conversations you're going to have. Exactly how many appointments you're going to have to set. You're going to have to meet. You're going to have to get agreements signed. You're going to have to get under contract. You're going to have to close. Where do I want my closings? What does that do for income? And let's work that backwards. What do I actually have to accomplish? And break that down day by day. And you hold them to that standard of what they need to accomplish each and every day. It's super important. Another thing that was an aha for me at this mastermind. Instead of just activity, let me say this. Activity is everything. I don't care how much skill you have. If you don't take the activity, you can't showcase that skill. Skill is crucial in today's marketplace, but it doesn't matter without the activity, right? So the activity has to happen, period. But in addition to that, agents right now need to focus on going deep and not wide. Nurturing relationships is going to win in today's marketplace. Buyers and sellers are confused. Hell, we're confused. How do you think a buyer and seller feels? especially if they're watching mainstream media, they're watching all, all this craziness going on around us. They need us to be the lighthouse in the storm. They need us to be the steadiness, the education, the information and give them the real data. Here's what I think is you should have a standard in your organization with each agent in my company is a standard. You have an X amount of hot buyers or sellers at all times. What is a hot buyer or seller? That means they've already signed an agreement to work with you if they're a buyer. You set an appointment with them with a time to list if they're a seller. You have people that you're nurturing, that you are actively showing properties to. You are act actively helping prepare their home for market. You have an active listing appointment set up for next week. Those are hot buyers or sellers. Those people that are ready to transact, they committed to working with you. They're already pre-approved. They're getting their home prep before they list, whatever the case may be, right? That's a hot buyer or hot seller. You need a, a minimum of that many at a time. And here's what I will tell you. Whatever number you think that is to accomplish your goal, today's market, you got to double it. You got to double it. You don't need more leads. You need more closings. So you need more people that are closer to the closing. Because right now, if you've got a hot buyer and interest rates don't drop because they're waiting on interest rates to drop, they may, not, may no longer be a buyer. Sellers are backing out left and right, not deciding they don't want to sell because they can't find a home to buy or whatever the case may be. So don't set yourself up for failure and rely on those one, two or three clients. My rule, you need 10. If you don't have 10, you haven't prospected enough. You haven't built your pipeline. You need 10 right now that you're working with. And if you don't, go digging. Time for hunt for hunt for gold.
You need 10 hot buyers and sellers. You need to focus on them each and every day. Provide value. That should be a standard. Um, other standards. One we have is you do one open house a month. Um, keep your database up to date. And if you don't, we have a safety net that that database goes to someone else that can actually has the time to work it. Because to us, it's about the client experience. And if you don't have time to take care of that client and give them the experience that they deserve, I'm not going to judge you for it. No pressure. I'm not mad at you. But I also need to make sure that client gets taken care of. So those are the standards I recommend to put in place. Um, as an example, here's one standard. There's a top team leader that went crazy on his standards. Um, he showed up in a three-piece press suit and was ready to present everything to his agents. And basically what he said was, here's the new standard as of today. Everyone is getting handed lead flow based on your activity and your activity alone. You guys aren't making enough activity for this marketplace. You want to take the leads. You want the opportunities. You get those by based on who, who is on the activity leaderboard. And that was it. And he did it. Was that extreme? Would I recommend it? You be the judge. But it worked for him. Even though he lost some of his OG top producers for years and years and years. And his market that is down 21%, his team is up 29%. And it's not a small team. They've done $300 million year to date. He went crazy on his standards. Activity, activity, activity. And he held his agents accountable. Math is the path. Another thing that he said is um, he eliminated the guessing game coaching and training. That's one of the conversations that he was having with his agents. Is guys, if you don't show the activity in the CRM, I can't help coach and train you and lead you. Because as you guys all know, math is the path. How many conversations, how many leads, how many appointments, how many, how many under contract, et cetera. But you have to put that stuff in the CRM. So if I'm giving you my leads and resources, you got to log them and you got to show me what you're doing with those. So not only can I coach you through the gaps, but we also reward you based upon your activity. That was the game that he played. It worked out well for him. Oh, this was a huge, huge takeaway. Sorry, guys. I'm just kind of brain dumping um, through all of this, just so you know. If you have questions, please let me know. Um, hope this is still still helpful and valuable for you. Um, but we we talk a lot about building skills in this marketplace, and you got to have the scripts, right? You got to know exactly what to say. But what they talked about this mastermind is it's not scripts; it's dialogues that matter. What is the difference in a script and a dialogue? A script is a piece of paper, right? Have you ever think about it? You get a sales call and you can tell when someone's reading from a script. Not the scripts don't work. They absolutely do. But the point is you have to have that script internalized and the dialogue is way more important than the script itself. What's the difference in a script and a dialogue? Conversations have changed with the market. So what's missing right now? What is missing right now? Conversations have changed. So as an example, what do you need to do for the dialogue? What do you need to do? Let me go back. So dialogues are the framework of the conversation. Is the script a part of the dialogue? I hope so. If you're doing good, it should be. But it doesn't sound scripty. And it's dialogues. And you're able to adjust. And you're able to pivot. Because 
today's marketplace, your conversations need to be different than they were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And you better be educated and informed yourself so you can educate and inform the client. They have to be different, deep, not wide. So the dialogue, how do you do a dialogue? Here's my favorite way to handle dialogue. You base your next question on their response. You base your next question on their response. If you've been in sales more than five seconds, you have heard this before. You have two ears and one mouth. A good salesperson is not about what you say. It's about what you ask. Ask better questions, get better results. So instead of worrying about what am I going to say in my script, be worried what, where am I going to pivot and what great questions can I ask to interact with human beings, to build depth of relationship, to build trust, to build authority so that whenever they are ready to make a decision, they trust me with my guidance. In this very uncertain marketplace, I want to build certainty. Um, all right, so conversations have changed with the market. What's missing right now? The first thing that's missing is work ethic. If the market's down 25% and you do the same exact um, same exact activity, by default, you're going to have 25% less results. I don't know anybody that has a goal to do 25% less by doing the same work. So one of two things has to happen. You either change, you change your activity to accomplish your goal or you change your goal because you're not willing to change your activity. Those are the two options that you have. You can't do the same thing expecting a better result. The market's not conducive for that. So either change your activity or you change your goal. That's your options. So I'm coached to two times the activity gets the same result. A little insight. I think if you do two times the activity and you work on your skills and you build that, you'll have more than the same result. But I'd rather you do twice the activity and get a better result than say it's 1.5 and you don't quite get the same. A little bit more doesn't hurt, right? Uh, Conversations need to be different. Um, I kind of hit on that already. You need to have dialogues with people. You need to understand the framework of how to pivot and how to interact with human beings. Sounds, guys, it sounds so simple, but you should have seen the room. This was an aha moment for everyone. Because what do we teach our agents? Scripts. Say this thing. My team is a pretty young team overall. We've got a lot of younger people on the team. And I think as society has changed, it's not, not better, not worse, just change. You have social media, you have text messaging, you have all these things that are going on where we've lost. We haven't lost, but it has declined the ability for people to communicate face-to-face, communicate phone-to-phone. A lot of people don't understand how to communicate with humans. Teach them how to have dialogues, not just scripts. Base your next question on their response. This was huge too. I preach speed to lead. I'm a real estate coach. I'm a team leader. Speed to lead is everything. Speed to opportunity is everything. But it's not just speed in this marketplace. It's longevity with market in this marketplace that really matters. It is longevity with those leads. It is the depth of relationship and the willingness to follow up for a period of time to build that trust, build that authority, educate, provide value, educate, provide value over time that matters with today's leads. That is what it takes. It's not just speed, it's longevity that matters. This is the good stuff right here, guys. Language patterns. I believe 
one of the keys to success in life is to become a better leader and a better communicator. If you're a better leader, better communicator, you're going to be better at sales. Those are the three buckets that I'm trying to fill on a daily basis so that I can be the best version of myself. Those are my passions. How can I learn the leadership language? How can I communicate with humans better? And how can I improve my sales skills so I can pass that along to others? Language patterns that I've learned from rooms like this have completely transformed how I communicate, how I lead, how I parent. And so we're going to break down some of these language patterns for agents to clients, but it's also for leaders to agents. They are very, very parallel. For, for context, John Sheplak said this from the front of the room. Guys, I do the same. He's a room full of team leaders, broker owners. And he said, I do the same thing that you guys do. The only difference is I'm the team leader. You're the agents. So the language patterns that I use are the exact same language patterns that you should use for your agents. So pay attention to how I model, how I, my tone, my pacing, how I change these things, because that is how you should lead and guide your agents also. And also, this is also the tone, the pacing, the dialogue, the patterns that your agents should also be doing with your clients. So we're going to break down language patterns. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to get a drink. All right, language patterns. Number one, seek first to understand, then be understood. Quit talking at people. Quit talking at them. Talk with them. Some people say talk to them. Don't talk to them. Talk with them. It's a conversation. This is two-way. Too many people in this today's day and age want to be right. I don't care who's right. I want to seek first to understand where you're coming from. Understand your true problem. Understand your true pain. Understand your true pleasure. Truly know that. And until I know that, I will never be understood. Quit trying to be right. Quit trying to get your point across. Seek first to understand, then you'll be understood. Um, next one, show empathy. Guys, you got to have empathy in today's marketplace, both for your agents, agents for the clients. There's a lot of craziness going on. You have to be empathetic. You have to be relatable. My favorite line, base your next question on their response. One of the things that I struggled with as I was growing a team and organization, trying to duplicate my skill sets, duplicate um, our processes, was putting scripts and dialogues on paper because I was never a script guy. I was always a dialogue guy because I pivot. I don't say the same thing each time. It's, it adjusts based upon what is happening, right? Whatever they say, then I say something based upon what they said. And I had massive success. I say that humbly, but I had massive success and conversions. I was a part of, I was privileged to be asked by uh, Dan Beer, Brian Danny and their sales masters group. Um, this is a bunch of elite people doing a script battle recently. I haven't sold a house in three years. I was, I, no, I don't prospect. I'm like, they're like, I want you to do a script role play. Let's see how, what happens. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm in to help and contribute, but I'm going to fail on this thing. I end up winning the whole competition. I say that humbly. But the reason that I won is because I've mastered basing my next question on their response. Sales isn't about what you say, it's about what you ask. And how do you make them feel on the other end of the phone? It is especially crucial, especially crucial in today's marketplace. You have to have empathy and be on their side. 
You can't just talk at them. They have to know that they can trust you and that you are going to guide them in the right direction. I love this saying too. I got this from John Sheplak. The heart chooses and the mind justifies. The heart chooses and the mind justifies. Too many times when we're talking to people, language patterns, we are talking to the mind, to logics. We talk logically and try to get them to make a decision logically. Logically, it makes sense to buy this home. Logically, it makes sense for you to sell this home. Logically, it makes sense for you to make these phone calls if you're an agent. But people don't make decisions logically. They make decisions emotionally. Speak to their emotions. The heart chooses. Speak to the heart. Then the mind justifies. I could could do a whole hour on that. But remember that. You should write that phrase down. When you're talking to someone and you're in a position where, I'll say influence. You're in a position of influence. Because influence isn't bad. It's not manipulation. You're influencing them to make a decision that's best for them. That's best for their family. You got to speak to their emotions. Um, This is an age old technique, but it matters now more than ever. Mirror and match. Restate back what they said. Here's how I won the script battle. I mirror and matched everything and I based my next question on every response. That's how I won. That's it. Like this was a tournament with, I think, 16 people, right? 16 top team leaders. And it was a tournament style like NCAA bracket. You want to win in today's marketplace? You want to set more appointments? You want to help more people buy or sell the biggest asset of their life? You have to mirror and match, restate back what they said. What does it do? When you restate back what they said, it, get, it lets them know that you were listening. Number one, how many people, how many salespeople actually listen to people? Very few. So if I restate it back, it shows them that I'm listening. Number two, it gives me a chance to think about what is my next question going to be based upon their response. And again, I've got like a page of notes on this that I could go in depth, but um, restate back what they said and base your next question on their response. And last, but certainly not least, your tone, your pacing, and how you model things for people matters so much. It is so important and crucial. Um, I have a, I don't even have it. Uh, my bulletin board fell, but um, I've got one on my bulletin board to remind me as I'm working on communication, how people receive communication. Only 7% is the words that you say. Let's go back to scripts versus dialogues. You can say the exact right script, but if you don't say it the right exact way, it doesn't work. Is it easier to sell via email or is it easy to sell, sell face-to-face? Easier sell face-to-face because over email, people only receive 7% of the intended communication. The second biggest um, uh, way that people receive communication is through tone, is the vocal part. Is it a higher pitch? Did you slow down? How was your pace? How did you say whatever you said? As an example, do you receive the message better over a phone call or do you receive the message better over a text? Anyone else ever got a text before and said, what in the world? Why is this person mad at me? And then you call them and they're not. They're on the best day ever. You took it the wrong way. But we try to sell houses through texting. It doesn't work. Your tone, how you pace things, how you model things really, really matter over the phone. That's 38%. That's 38% of how people receive communication. So you combine your tone and the words you say, that is 45%. That leaves 55%. 
of how people receive communication left to body language. That's why it's like 75%. I don't know the exact stat. Every stat in real estate is like around 80. It's weird. Um, so it's in the 70% of people work with the first buyer. They for, for buyer 70% of buyers work with the first agent they meet in person. Because they get face to face. They get belly button to belly button. They have that body language. That's how people connect. That's how they build that relationship. Another tip on that. Um, you want to talk about communication. How can you get 100% of communication to someone that they're going to get delivered 99 plus percent of the time? Video text are your friend. I'll end it at that. You and your agent should be doing video text religiously. That should be part of your prospect and your follow-up plan. Um, this was a huge one. Self-discovery is the highest form of human development. As leaders, and maybe you're an agent watching this. Maybe you're not a team leader. This still applies. Everyone is a leader to someone in their life. You're a leader to your kids. You're a leader at your church. You're a leader to your family. You're a leader in your organization. There's someone, whether you know it or not, that looks up to you. Self-discovery is the highest form of human development. As a leader, you are supposed to help develop other humans. But most leaders think, I have to tell them the way. I have to be the resource. I believe the opposite. I have to teach them resourcefulness. I literally just got out of a leadership professional development meeting with my leadership team that we do once a month to contribute to our leaders, to grow better leaders in our organizations. One of the things that I said is real leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. And so are you creating a follower or a leader of the agents that you're leading? Are you being the resource to where you're holding all the knowledge and they have to come to you for the answer? Are you educating and guiding them so they can learn the process as they go? You have to help them self-discover, help them develop as humans. And a great way to do that, to think about it, is sometimes you got to slow down the process so you can speed up the outcome. It's easier to just give them the answer right away. Hey, here it is. But if we slow down that process, we ask questions, we help them on that path of self-discovery through some of these language patterns we just went over, we're going to help develop human beings, which is the best feeling that you can ever get on the planet. So even if you want to be selfish, be selfish because of that feeling of gratitude and fulfillment you get when you help other people level up in their lives, but you do it through self-discovery. Um, Self-directed work groups are crushing it. Here's a, here's a actual, I told you tactical takeaways. Here's another tactical takeaway. You want to enhance standards. You want to enforce accountability. Self-directed work groups are where it's at. We are rolling them out for our company. Um, we've done them before. They work really well. So what is self-directed work groups? It's accountability groups. However, it's agent directed and led. We have a rule sheet. There's no phones allowed, no drinks allowed. You have three commitments. If you miss, it's very strict. If you miss one, one week, um, you're allowed to, if you have a valid excuse, you can come back next week if the, the group like votes on it. Should we, is that a valid excuse or do we kick them out? You show up late, you can come in, you just don't get to participate. You have to show up so you don't get kicked out. But you got to sit in the corner and watch and listen. It's very strict. It's it's high, high octane accountability. It is no BS, no fluff, straight to it. You did or you didn't. What got in the way? You're going to do it next time. Boom, 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 boom. Um, Self-directed work groups with agents doing it for each other. Enhances peer-to-peer accountability. And it really holds people to the standards that you need to enforce. <clears throat> in addition to that, here's a trick, a hack. <clears throat> 
to make self-directed work groups better is you randomize it and you adjust their accountability part week after week. So they don't have their best buddy on the team that is their accountability partner, or you don't, if you're an agent, you don't have that one that's going to love you out of the business by letting you slip on your accountabilities. You need someone that's, that's going to be ruthless. That's going to hold you accountable to what you need to get done. So we switch those week by week. There's daily check-ins that are required. Um, it's just the whole process that we built out. Um, another conversation that I thought was really, really good. Um, my good friend, uh, Kelly Salter, who runs a great team in um, North Carolina. Is uh, She talked to she she talked to her teams. Uh, she runs self-directed work groups. They're doing really, really well. And um, she said, um, oh, there we go. We love accountability groups here. Agents are sad when the six weeks is over. There you go. You need proof. There it is. Thank you, Amanda, for sharing that. Um, but Kelly was sharing a story that she told before she rolled out self-directed work groups for her team. She said it was really relatable because we're in the real estate space. So everyone knows there's a diff- There's three types of ways you occupy, occupy a property. There's only three. You're an owner, you're a renter, or you're a squatter. Go in the definition. What is an owner? An owner takes pride in their property. They take care of it. They enhance the value. They make it better because it's their home and they take care of it. They love it. They're invested in it. What is a renter? Well, they live in it. They kind of take care of it. It's a roof over their head. It's there, right? They're there for a period of time. They know it's temporary. What's a squatter? They're stealing, right? They're a thief. They're going to destroy the property. And I asked, I, I did this with my agents actually. And I asked each of them, I said, does an owner make a property value up, a raise? Does it increase or decrease? Well, it increases. What about a renter? Most of the time they decrease the property value, right? All right, maybe we can say it stays flat, right? Because of inflate, because of um, appreciation, like maybe it stays flat, right? But you still got to repaint, you got to do carpets, all that stuff, right? And they knew it was a temporary period of time. Squatters, absolutely, they de- decrease the value, right? So what if I told you, and this is actually I do with my team, we went through this whole thing and said, guys, what if I told, that makes sense, owners, runners, and squatters, right? Yes, it does. Awesome. What if I told you that there are only three ways that you can be a member of Matt Smith Real Estate Group. You're either an owner, you're a renter, or you're a squatter. Which one are you? Do you take ownership in this company, in this team, in this family? Are you just renting your space for a period of time? Or are you stealing from the people you say you care about? It was a great discussion. Tied them into self-directed work groups, enhanced accountability, no gossip. Great discussion to enhance the standards and enforce accountability. Um, speaking of accountability, implied accountability is a shortcut to success and greatness. Implied accountability is a shortcut to success and greatness. Implied accountability is why I hang around the people I hang around, why I go to, shoot, I don't even know how many events this year, but 15, 20 maybe events out of town this year, spend gobs of money going, because I want the implied accountability of those people that are better than me. It is the results that are required to be in those rooms that I go to. You don't show up at John Cheplak's house if you don't have results and you don't want to be held accountable. But that's where success and greatness is. Excellence in the pursuit of being better is required to be in those rooms. What if we could all create that for our team culture 
and our environment amongst our agents by enhancing the standards and expanding the accountability. What if we could enforce those standards that we know that are best for them anyway, and then we actually hold them accountable to those things and applied accountability is now part of your company, your organization you work at. How much better is the environment going to be for everyone? Um, I got a couple more slides left. I'm running out of time. I'll go through it quickly here for you guys. Trust equals capacity. You ever feel overwhelmed? You have too much to do It's because you don't have enough people under you that you are trusting to give you your capacity back. Build more trust. Find more people to support you that you trust. So you can expand your capacity. You don't need to be a one man band. You need to do a time study, see what you're doing below your pay grade. You need to leverage yourself by building trust and relationships with people in your organization, people in your sphere, people wherever to help you continue to grow and level up. If you don't have enough capacity, you have a capacity issue, it's because you don't you have a trust issue. There's one and the same. Uh, Phil Jackson philosophy. I think this was great. Uh, Phil Jackson was, for those of you that maybe don't know, um, he was coach for Michael Jordan when the Bulls won their six championships. Coach for Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal when they won their championships. One of the best basketball coaches of all time in the NBA. He had a philosophy. When his teams were getting beat, when they were getting crushed, he never called timeout. Anybody that's a sports fan knows that you got to stop the momentum. You call a timeout. All right, let's stop the momentum. Let's reset. Let's refresh. Phil Jackson didn't believe in it. He let them play through it. He let them fail. He let them fail and he let them work through it. Sometimes we bail our agents out. They need to feel a little pain so that they can want to get better for themselves. And by Phil Jackson letting them pay through pain, go through that pain and go through that tough time versus him saving them by calling timeout. He won way more championships than anyone else and his teams did because they became better through that philosophy. I just think that's a great philosophy. Um, I'd never heard that before. Um, sales competitions are going great right now. Run competitions, um, get one focus, get a leaderboard, have a scoreboard where people see it. They're comparing themselves to each other. You get some healthy competition. Um, it's great stuff. So if you're not running sales competitions right now to enforce the standards, accountability, make it fun, right? Just don't make it all doom and gloom. Let's have some fun with it. Make it fun. Give them gifts. Give them something to work towards. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll see your, your environment thrive. Um, here's some topics that were brought up. Um, holy cow, this is only halfway through my notes. A lot of stuff. Um, uh, I think I think the rest of this I kind of summarized, though, more than the first, because um, the first was what really spoke to me. Uh, but these are the topics. Just so you guys wonder, what did people that were in this room, what did they, when, when we were asked in that room, what are the things we, we want to talk about? Commission splits and how do you how do you model your splits with you and your team? Right now, during this tough time, what are you doing with the splits? What are you doing with your staff right now? Are you going virtual? Are you cutting it back on staff? Are you adding the staff? What does that look like? Um, what are your standards and how do you enforce them? What are your standards and how do you enforce them? Um, we have a, a wheel. Yeah, we have a wheel too. We have a wheel for competition where they spin, make it fun. Um, I love that. Um, let's see. Standards, how to enforce them. Before I do more of this, too many of us want shiny objects. I want this new lead source. I want this new thing. Before you start doing more, what can you do better? Before you do more, look at what can I do better? Make sure you're doing better before you add in more, especially in a tough marketplace. I hope that makes sense. Um, one of the topics was support for top producers. How do I support my top producers? I'm losing top producers from my team. How do I provide support? We covered that. 
Um, first 30 days of onboarding. As we're recruiting, growing, how do we cover onboarding? All right, so top producers. Here's the, here's the problem with top producers on the team and organization. They think they can sell less homes and make more money. That's what they think. The reality is that is very, very, very rarely the case. Here's why. As a business owner, if you reduce expenses, meaning you make more on your commission, that does not increase your revenue. Expenses and revenue are two different things. See, what you have is a business relationship with your agents and then getting a higher split is reducing their expenses because they're partnering with you for all that value. That value equation has to make sense. But when you take that value back so they can get a higher split, they're going to sell less homes and they're going to make less money and they're going to have less leverage, less support. Explain that from a business owner perspective to agents that are maybe struggling through that. Um, also, agents on the team, top producers have systems, processes, brand power, leveraging, support staff, marketing, leads, coaching, training, accountability, proximity to you, proximity to your circle and access to amazing things that you probably don't even realize that other agents don't have access to. Access is crucial. Um, let me go through this quickly. Um, a big theme was. It's a win-win for the agent and for the team in this room is right now marketing and branding is crucial. Agents have to stand on the back of the brand. It creates a win for the agent, creates a win for the team, for the organization. What do I mean standing on the back of the brand? What if you could create a system or process of organization where every single, let's say you got a million dollar listing tomorrow, the brand new agent that just joined yesterday. What if they had access to Google drive Dropbox to advertise team branded marketing content on that million dollar listing like it was their own does that provide leverage to the agent because of the brand does it provide leads to everyone because of the brand does it make that agent have authority in the marketplace it's a win-win so make make sure you set it up to make it easy to help the brand grow through your agents this was a huge one we talk, always think as top producers, as, as if you're if you're here, you want to learn. And I appreciate you guys staying on late. Um, I hope this is still valuable and I'll, I'll go through it to respect your time as much as I can. But so you guys are here. I'm still here. So um, but what happens is, is we start thinking about what can we do more of? Sometimes success isn't about addition. Sometimes it's more about subtraction. What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to stop doing? And so instead, before you start doing something new, think about what are the things I need to stop doing? And one of the things that was constant there is stop doing more. Stop doing more. More is not better. Better is better. Well, that's good. You guys should write that down. More isn't better. Better is better. So do more of what you already know and just do it better. Here's a real life example. As I was years ago, as I started investing for like retirement accounts, different things, um, trying to set my family up for 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 my future, uh, for our future. I'll ask my investment guy. I said, man, this is kind of boring. Like, I just give you money every month. We're doing the same thing. I said, when do we do something fun? When do we mix it up? I said, Matt, we don't. Is what you're doing working? I said, yeah, man, doing great. He said, so why would you change it? Do more of what works. I was like, yeah, you idiot. Like, why am I trying to find this magic bullet? This is working. I need to do more of what's working. It's the same concept for agents. Go back to the basics, back to the basics, back to the basics. It is so crucial that we understand we go back to the basics with our agents right now. Master the fundamentals. You have to get back to those standards or on the basics.
Let me let you in on a secret. I think some of my team agents may be on here. Um, they want to watch it. Yeah, they are, and they're probably going to watch it later. It's okay. Here's the reality. One of the things that we're going to roll out right now is we're going to re-enroll our agents into our basics. They asked for it yesterday to go to the boards. They want they wanted more training on the basics to become masters at the basics. And so we're rolling out, we're calling it an agent excellence course. Essentially what it is, it's all the basics packaged in a 2.0 package that is training super in-depth and tactical on it with homework at the end. So they can not only learn, but apply what they learn. And if you're a leader watching this, here's a leadership lesson. Sandwich technique. You have to enroll before and you have to acknowledge after. Whatever it is that they aren't participating in to what you want, enroll them before. And then after they show up and they participate and they do great, acknowledge them after. Enroll and acknowledge. Another stop. Stop telling. Stop telling your agents what to do. Stop telling your clients what to do and start teaching and coaching. Start being the teacher and the coach, not the person in the front of the room pointing the finger. It'll change everything in your organization. Build community. There was a big talk on this and I can, I can speak from experience. We have an amazing culture. I have an amazing team and our community is, is awesome that we built here at Matt Smith Real Estate Group. Like it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it blows my mind that it, the idea that I had that I could make a better culture is reality for us. Like it just, it literally blows my mind, but it pales in comparison in the community John Sheplak's built. Pales in the comparison to some other people that I'm chasing that I want, that I look up to, that I'm trying to be like, have built. You want more in life? You want to grow? You need to build better community. And you need to be around better people that are constantly getting together, believing the same mission, working together to accomplish that mission. They're in an environment of badasses that are always becoming the best version of themselves. That's how you build a community. And when you do that, everyone wins. Iron sharpens iron. We've heard it before. A rising tide rises all ships. If you don't have that right now, be that right now. If you don't have that right now, at the very end of this, I will invite you to my private group where you can have that in our private group. I'm building community. I want to give back. I want to help. All right, we're almost done. Cool. Um, and it wouldn't be a John Chet Black event if I didn't say you have to recruit every day. Right? You have to recruit. You have to bring in new people in your organization. Everything that's wrong with your company, everything that's wrong with your culture, everything that's missing in the activities that you need and the skills that you need, there's one thing that will fix it. And it's not getting more out of what you already have. That's like beating your head up against the wall. You have to show them the path by bringing in new people that are hungry, that are willing to fill in that gap that you have. And they start seeing success. And then you grow your organization from the bottom up. Because they see the success, they see the success of that new agent. And here's what I will tell you, too. This was a common theme. Not everyone you bring on your recruits can be a rock star. And you got to be OK with that. You're not looking for just one rock star. You're looking for a group of people that are like-minded. They're going to come in and raise the standards of your organization together. And then from those people, you'll find one or two rock stars that completely transform your organization. Um, I'm going to end with this. Jesse Itzler. Um, he's someone that I look up to, and he has a very, very, very powerful exercise 
Uh, I got to find uh, my QR code here, but he has a very, very powerful exercise. Jesse, it's an interesting character if you've never seen him before. Um, guys, if you're still here, stick with me for five minutes. This is going to be a great story. This is going to help you propel and, and look at life through a different perspective. So Jesse Itzler is um, interesting character. He, I first heard him speak at an RTA syndicate event when I was out with Andrew Sella at my let's group. Um, and he's still probably one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And there's a lot of great things that he talked about, but he talked about his story. He used to be a rapper. He used to sing jingles for like sports teams. Um, he, started a, a marquee jets, I think is what it was called. And so it was a jet company that didn't own any jets and he just hustled his way through it. Right. He just hustled his way to find all these things that, uh, that he was trying to, that he wanted to accomplish. And he got his way into meetings and long story short, he went from absolutely nothing to selling to Warren Buffett. I believe is who it was for net jets, right? Just constantly leveling up his lot in life. He now from went from playing jingles to he's an owner of Atlanta Hawks, the NBA team. Um, he's married to Sarah Blakely, who's the owner of Spanx, female billionaire. Um, and so the guy knows his stuff. And so, oh, Claire saw him speak. He's an amazing speaker, amazing speaker. So he has this he has this uh, life philosophy. And I, what I love about Jesse is just real. He's raw. And he talks. He talks to you, not at you. Some su super successful people talk at people. Right. And they lecture and they do this. And he talks about uh, he talks about life. He talk, he's got two kids. He's got amazing fans, a family guy. He spends all his time with his family. And one of the things he talked about is, is that the, the law of 78 is what he calls it. What the law of 78 is, is that human beings live to the average lifespan of 78 years old. And so instead of looking at life as I got all this business I got to do and work. I got to get work done and I'll do these other things in life later. If you look at it through a different perspective, you get a perspective shift. You interrupt the pattern and take the number 78, subtract your age. Let's say it's 40. Say you're 40 years old. That means you have 38 years left on this planet. On average, 38 years is a long time. What if I were to tell you that means you have 38 more Christmases to celebrate. You have 38 more birthdays to celebrate. Now let's go the opposite perspective. Let's go like, for example, my mom, my mom is, I think 55 years old. So how much time does my mom have left? Not only how much time does she have left, but how many times do I have left to celebrate my mom's birthday? My next birthday with my mom, because of Jesse Isler, because of this exercise, I only have so many of those left. I'm going to make the most of it because that's what truly matters in life. Yes, business is great. Success is great. But why are you doing it if you don't take care of what matters most? And the last exercise I would like for you to walk through with this is I'm a my favorite job is being a dad. I'm a girl dad. I've got two little girls at home um, and I work a lot. And some of you probably work a lot, spend time away from your family to build something great. I want to invite you to think of this exercise like this. So you bring your family on the journey. The average kid moves out at, well, who knows what it actually is. It should be at 18, right? Um, who knows what it actually is these days. 
but they move out of your house at 18. But when do they really stop being kids? 12, 13, they become a teenager. That's a whole another category, right? I haven't hit there yet, but I'm close. Um, and so it puts it in perspective. How many more birthdays do I have to celebrate before they're a teenager? How many more birthdays do I celebrate before they move out? How many more Christmases do I have with my kids that still believe in Santa Claus? Makes you look at life through a different lens, through a different perspective. And so I know you guys are all working hard. You're putting a lot of hours. You're accomplishing amazing things. But remember why you're doing it. You're doing it so you can spend those precious times. You can have that Christmas of your dreams for your family. You can spend that precious time taking a vacation with your family that maybe you never had as a kid. And you're building and leaving a legacy for you and your family by staying consistent, by enforcing those standards, by holding people accountable, not only so you can accomplish it, but also so they can accomplish it for themselves and their family. And as always, if this episode was useful, share this with a friend so we can continue our movement of helping people and giving back to this amazing industry that's given so much to me and my family.